Hello and welcome to episode 39 of the How to Sleep podcast. In this episode, I'm following on from last week's episode where I talked about the potential impact of your childhood on your sleep and expand this further so you'll find out more about how society today could still be impacting on your sleep. Welcome to the How to Sleep podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Blakeman, qualified adult sleep coach, a previous sufferer of insomnia and mum of three. I believe that sleep is fundamental to your enjoyment of the life you've worked so hard to create, and I support adults like you who are struggling to sleep to get back to sleep and back to living your life in full colour and with maximum energy. This podcast is for you if you are taking ages to get to sleep, or waking in the night and can't get back to sleep, or both. Keep listening to find out how sleep works, the essential elements you need to get the sleep you deserve, and actionable steps that you can take. I watched a documentary the other day about a performing artist and the one thing that struck me was how little sleep he was getting and in the documentary he talked about the fact that at times he really struggled mentally to go out and perform and at other times he performed but he really struggled to enjoy it even though of course performing was what he wanted to do and it was it was a really sad documentary to be honest but it reiterated to me a lot of what is typical about the attitude that we have all adopted generally in our modern society about sleep because never once, not even slightly once in this whole documentary did anyone mention or suggest that his lack of sleep could be contributing to his problems. And even though during the course of the documentary, there was clear indication that he wasn't getting enough sleep and when he was, it wasn't regular sleep. And given the strong links that science has made between sleep and mental health, and given that he was talking about his mental health throughout the documentary, and given how many doctors he seemed to see, I was I was really surprised that it wasn't mentioned once at all. And even though he was readily talking about lots of aspects of his life that he believed were contributing in part to his feelings, and he talked quite openly about the various treatments he was receiving for his physical and mental health, but as I say, it wasn't mentioned at all. And of course, like famous performing artists can live an unusual life with unusual pressures and an unusual uh, schedule. But there were some themes, like I said, that I was reminded of by watching it that I see play out again and again in people with sleep issues, grown adults with a free mind, but yet how easy it is to be influenced by others and the wider context of society in which we live in and the effect that this can have on the choices that we make and then these choices are impacting our sleep. And this follows on generally from last week's episode in that I set the context for how your childhood environment could have set the scene for you not to sleep so well in adulthood. And I talked about the subconscious mind and how this can hold on to early experiences and still be acting upon them. Um, So go back and listen to that episode if you haven't uh, already because that will give you some kind of basis to what I'm gonna talk about today. But I know that many of you listening to that would have thought that now you're an adult, you're free to make up your own choices and set your own beliefs and that you want to sleep. And that obviously it is possible to change those subconscious beliefs that you develop as a child. But again, psychologists know that we're so strongly influenced by what's going on around us all the time, including the media and people we admire and people we look up to, for example, then none of us are immune to the constant flow of messaging that we get from all around us. And so I want to explain how 
even if you feel consciously you've moved on in your viewpoint as an adult, again, the effects of your surroundings could be um, laying down those subconscious beliefs without you perhaps even realising it. So I'll give you a simple example. If any of you have ever worked in an office environment where the culture was different to the official language of the company's policy. So say, for example, you work for a company that has a really sensible um, sickness policy and the policy says, don't come into work when you're sick. You know, we value you, we value your health or we provide you sick pay. So stay at home and get better. And here in England, and at least in the companies I've worked in, this is a pretty typical um, message. This is a pretty t- typical company line. But I've definitely in the past noticed that the culture of a company impacts how much this kind of standard line is actually followed. And it also impacted how much my internal desire was to follow it. And so I've worked in companies where it was frowned upon to be off sick, even when you were really ill. And in these environments, I saw people around me coming into work sick. I heard people talking about how bad they felt, but that they still wanted to come in and work. And I saw them come in and work. And all this therefore framed the whole context in which I worked. Now, my personal view is I'm a believer in staying off work if you're not well. I think you get better faster. Uh, It's better than dragging yourself in and making your illness last longer and infecting everyone else in the process. That's my conscious viewpoint as an adult. But I know that when I've worked for these companies, you know, guess what happens? I start to drag myself into work before I'm fully better because the culture was affecting how I subconsciously felt about what was acceptable and not acceptable behaviour. And even though I knew consciously it'd be sensible to stay off work and get fully better, the culture was having an impact on my decision. And if you can relate to this example, then hopefully you can see that the same thing can absolutely happen with yourself and sleep. So you can be affected by all of the society and media influence. And then this kind of seeps in um, to your subconscious and drives your behavior, sometimes even without you fully realizing it. And this is the same thing I saw play out in this documentary about this performing artist. So his context and his environment was not geared to taking basic action like rest and relaxation and sleep to help him cope with his mental health because he was too busy prioritizing keeping on performing and everyone around him was working to that goal as well. And they showed this one scene in the hospital, which was particularly memorable, where his doctors were saying, oh, I know you'll want to carry on performing and so we can kind of patch you up and send you out and and, and you can go on stage if you want. And he looked really ill at this point and I was thinking, do you know, I wonder what impact it would have had on his decision because you you could sort of see him wrangling with what should I do, should I stay, should I go? And if everyone around him had said, you you shouldn't leave the hospital, you have to stay in the hospital, I, I just wondered what effect that would have had on his decision. But throughout the documentary, the focus was on let's take medication, let's um, get you therapy, let's just sometimes give you tough love and tell you to get on with it. All these things are just, it's all about patching patching up the issue and keeping going rather than stopping and going back to basics and saying, what do we need for kind of basic health, physical and mental health? And you could tell that he wanted to rest and stop this kind of touring schedule. Uh, But as I say, my take on it was that he appeared to be influenced by his environment and those around him. And in the end, though, he did thankfully have 
eventually the strength to turn around to everyone and say, you know, enough's enough. I want a proper break from performing. And like I said, most of you probably don't have the prof- the pressure of a performing artist, but and this is an extreme example, but hopefully you can see that the potential exists for society to influence your sleep. Now, I want to give some specific examples that actually could be applicable to you. So the first thing that strikes me is how undervalued sleep is generally still in our modern society. So I touched on this last week in the context of the the kind of past view of sleep and success, but I think it's still evident today. So even though science is shown how essential sleep is for health, and even though it's really starting to come into the sort of consciousness around the edges now in health and well-being, generally we are still undervaluing sleep in our society mind, if you like, and particularly it's value as a general fixer of physical and mental health so we still have famous people in the media saying they don't sleep you know very few people if you think about it in the public eye today would publicly announce that they deliberately deprive themselves of food in order to succeed it that message would be very very unusual it wouldn't be palatable because it would cause a backlash and people would say that's a bad example look what they're example they're setting for the people when they're famous and in a position of influence but we still don't really bother we don't really kind of kick back as a society if we hear people saying that they're deliberately cutting their sleep short to get stuff done so despite the very well-known well-documented serious health risks of doing that so eating well and exercise are getting highlighted and prioritized but it's still kind of socially acceptable to push sleep down on our list of priorities And linked to this, an extension of this, is the common normalising of being tired. So social media is full of memes about being a tired parent, being a tired employee, being middle-aged and tired already just because, you know, life's so busy. And these posts are not necessarily saying it's okay to be tired. But when you see these constant kind of messages and reminders of being tired, it is normalising it. And when we think everyone else is experiencing the same thing, it becomes something that we don't feel the urge to act upon or fix. So we're not looking at everyone else thinking, wow, I'm the only middle-aged, hardworking parent who's tired. I need to fix this. We're Instead, we're thinking, are everyone around me is tired? So maybe my tiredness is normal. Maybe I shouldn't worry about not sleeping. Maybe I just have to accept that I won't sleep in my circumstances. You know, look at all those other people carrying on. I should just carry on. So this is how we sort of slowly, steadily normalise the sleep problems. And I remember going to an event once. It's really stuck out to me this, which was the event was full of entrepreneurs and I was chatting about sleep and someone next to me said, oh, do you know what? Since I've become a parent, I haven't slept well at all. Will it get, be- will it get better as my, my child gets older? And before I could comment, another person leaned in and said, no way, you'll never get your sleep back. Children and running a business, no chance. And other people were like nodding enthusiastically and going, oh yeah, no way. And I had to point out, yeah, look how you just set the scene for that person. It was a genuine question about what to expect. That person wanted a glimmer of hope and the response from those around him was basically that failure was inevitable. And this was particularly ironic because the event I was attending was full of entrepreneurs who spent the entire time being motivational and supportive of each other's business goals and ambitions and discussing the importance of self-belief and subconscious awareness. And yet in the context of sleep, 
oh, well, let's all tell this person not to get their hopes up or set any goals of improving sleep because it's impossible. You'll never do it. And this, it struck such a chord with me because this was exactly what I experienced. And it led me to resist taking action on my sleep problem for so long. It it prevented me from actually seeing the truth. The truth was I had a significant sleep problem and I should have taken action years before I actually did. So to finish up on this topic, I then want to go a step further and explain how these things then actually turn into making your sleep issue worse. So when society convinces us that sleep and further even than that, even rest is a dispensable activity. And when we associate success with being busy all the time and doing tasks and multitasking and productivity, when we get this constant messaging, it plays out in our lives by reprioritizing sleep in our subconscious. So that means that even when we're tired, we start ignoring the tiredness. We think it's acceptable, normal, even. We're expected to push the boundaries of our day into the evening to get more stuff done. This then becomes our normal pattern. We start to become accustomed to this, particularly when life gets busier. You know, if you have your own business or a senior job and children and a home to look after, you start small. Maybe you work into the evenings when you used to spend it relaxing. Maybe you're in a habit of staying up half an hour later than you would have done 10 years ago. Maybe over time, all the things are creeping in. Maybe you're lying in on the weekends now. Maybe you started napping. Maybe you developed a caffeine habit. Maybe you started waking up in the night and then you start thinking and you never used to do that. Maybe that happened occasionally, but now it's a few times a week when you wake up in the night and you can't get back to sleep because you're thinking, thinking all the thoughts. So here's one example of the impact that having tiredness as a norm in our society and promoting action over rest can have on us. And so here's another example as well. When you're tired or you're feeling under the weather, you know, how do we behave normally? Do we immediately default to rest and recuperation? Or is our first thoughts about how we've got to carry on? You know, do you feel a spark of kind of pride almost in your ability to face the endurance of feeling tired and yet you're carrying on every day? Because again, as a society, we love endurance. And in, in our small way, each day we get a little um, kick about the fact that every day that we carry on even though we haven't slept properly it's about our test of endurance it's a sort of twisted satisfaction that we get in our ability to be tired and yet carry on there's no social stigma really for pushing your body and mind even when it's desperate for sleep you know we don't have that social stigma your friends won't like tell you off for doing that um, in fact it's still the opposite you know that most of the time that that badge of expectation to do that that badge of honor it's still there really and as I already mentioned, uh, a final example, when everyone else is t- around you is talking about how normal it is to not sleep properly, it makes you doubt the thoughts you have about getting help. It makes you doubt whether you should start to fix the problem and reach out for help. You start to think it can't be fixed. If loads of people experience it, then surely it must be unfixable. It feels like everyone you meet that has a busy life is tired and then you start to question why you should expect to feel any different. And it prevents you from getting help. It prevents you from finding the solution and from getting your your old self back. 
All right, so your takeaway action for this week is to think about these examples that I've talked about. I've talked about loads of different things today. So think about them in the context of your life and answer the following questions honestly. Okay, so number one, in your life is rest, and I'm talking about in all forms, not just sleep, is it as high priority for you as, say, healthy eating and exercise? Do you always prioritise it up there? Number two, when you're tired, do you listen to your body and prioritise rest? Or is instead all your focus on how you're going to be able to get through the day and how you're going to get everything done that you need to get done? Question three, do you feel that being tired is to be expected to some extent for a person with your life circumstances? And number four, do you feel that addressing your sleep problem is something that is far from reach and that maybe you should just live with it? All right, have a good week and thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. I hope you found some value in today's episode. If you did, and you know others who would benefit from hearing this information as well, then please share with them. And if you would be so kind as to leave a positive review of the podcast, this will support me in my mission to spread the message of sleep as wide as possible. Thank you so much. If you can't wait until the next episode and you want more guidance right now, then head on over to my website and get access to my free sleep resources. Link in the show notes. Or follow me on Instagram at Nikki.Blakeman. Wishing you a peaceful night's sleep.